Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, so a two-hour live show where we bring you guys our facts and analysis of everything that's going on in the world today, everything that's happening in media, conspiracies, actual real propaganda, and being able to cite the differences and getting to the point of more conspiracy fact, of course, because they're not conspiracy theories now. It's just the whole uh, conspiracy fact. And we've got a really good one for y'all. Uh, that's certainly going to be called a conspiracy for the next couple of weeks until it turns out to be a fact. And then we all get to, unfortunately, we're going to have to pay into the Alex Jones was right tip jar. Uh, so uh, you all will be, I'm sure, very fascinated for that. But there's a lot of stuff that's actually happening this week. And it's what I would like to term a preparatory week. And by that, I mean, mm. next week, we're going into the first GOP primary debate. And also uh, a little bit of uh, fun Trump tactics that are happening there um, and some analysis that we have to do on what's going to happen with the GOP debate, what we think um, is really going to be the big takeaways that are going to come from that and how that is going to work, as well as obviously some of the other campaign news that we've seen come down, but then a lot of other stuff going on. And so... It's kind of a wild. Uh, it's kind of a wild ride right now for this week, and a lot of stories that we're going to have to just kind of like fire on. So we're going to rely a lot on you guys in the chat to kind of let us know what you're interested in. And that way, we don't want to gloss over it. But there is one show note that I have to do initially. Uh, last week, we were having a really good time, you know, cracking jokes and everything, and I never actually got to um, a thing that I was bringing up. I had brought up. Trayon White, a, uh, a council member on the Washington D.C. City Council, and then uh, mm -hmm. I, I made the I, I brought up the fact that he uh, mentioned that the Jews controlled the weather, or not the Jews. He actually said that the uh, uh, um, Rothschilds controlled the uh, weather, and that turned into the Jews controlled the weather. And we uh, we riffed on that a little too much, and I never actually got to the point of what I was bringing up, and so I did want to mm -hmm. make sure. Uh, that I handled that. So Trayon White, the reason why I brought him up last week is because the D.C. City Council, and this is something that's going to be pervasive across a lot of cities in the United States, uh, they're complaining to the police because uh, there's these giant spikes in crime. There's a bunch of crime happening in Washington, D.C., and people like Trayon White are complaining and saying that the police aren't, you know, we, we need more police. We have all of these, uh, all these cops are leaving, and uh, we're not able to actually field a, a viable police force anymore, and we've got to fix this problem. But they're also the same city council that passed what they called the Justice in Policing Act. And what that did was it defunded the police, but it also made it to where there's not a single police officer that wants to be in Washington, D.C., because even though people sold the idea of qualified immunity being taken away and the idea that uh, cops, you know, it, it was sold to people as police can finally get in trouble for the bad things that they do because qualified immunity made it to where they couldn't. The reality of that is, is every single person who's black that gets pulled over by a white police officer can now sue that police officer personally for racism. And it doesn't matter whether it's true or not, that police officer is going to have to go to court for that lawsuit or else he's going to be found in default judgment if he doesn't show up, right? Which means yeah. he's going to have to pay for a lawyer for every little asshole that wants to sue him. And he doesn't have the money to do that. 
Yeah, that's very true. So he's going to it would be a individual police officer, which police officers don't make that much money, mm-hmm. would have to pay for a lawyer and pay all the court costs to go and defend himself personally because the actions of his job can no longer be covered by the legal team of the police department. Right. Now, like it or not, there are there are very good reasons to not like qualified immunity in some ways. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of good reasons to not like certain aspects of police departments. Totally understand that. Uh, But this is definitely one of those. uh, Yeah, I'm not going to go work for that place. So we're seeing this actually all over the country where there's rising crime in cities. And the idea that these cities 100 percent are uh, wondering, well, what what could have possibly happened? What could have possibly happened? How are all these bad things occurring? I don't understand. And it's because they literally cannot look in a mirror and see that this is the direct result of the dumb policies that they have passed. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I think a lot of people that live in these cities as well are similarly baffled because they were lied to about these policies. Mm -hmm. I know here in Seattle, a lot of the people I talk to are basically completely out of their depth when wondering why is homelessness, why are there homeless people everywhere, why is property crime increasing, why are, do all these stores now have security guards, why are why is every public bathroom now either completely locked and shut down or requiring you to go get a security code from somewhere. And when I talk to people, their only answer is, well, it's just, you know, like, just the way it is, I guess. That's just, it just happens. Because Suddenly, for no reason. Right. And I think a lot of these people, while you could say they voted for this, which they did, they were told the whole time it was only going to be these super good things that we were going to you know, get rid of all the bad police officers and make so they couldn't be racist anymore and bad. And they never, I think a lot of people in a lot of these places, when they supported these things, never heard, were, were um, as we can see with all the censorship and such, were absolutely kept from hearing any of the dissenting opinions about it and now have no idea why the bad things are happening. And I think for a lot of them, because they're insulated from the critical opinions of the defund the police movement and Black Lives Matter, they never hear our side of it. And I think a lot of them look at it and go, well, but if everything's going according to plan and all the good people are in charge, how could it possibly be that they're so incompetent and or malicious? Or maybe they would say incredulously, like, come on, like the people in charge can't be that incompetent and or malicious. There has to be some other economic, like, oh, socioeconomic, the economy is just going so bad that all these poor homeless people are just multiplying like rats in the sewers and just coming out of every storm drain and filling our streets with tents like that has to be what happens it's clearly the economy or some macro thing than or that you know the, the, the mental health crisis in america and absolutely they they can't conceive that it was we stopped enforcing the laws and we made it so that you can't take anyone to prison unless they commit a serious felony so if people say shoplift from the local grocery store the police can't even arrest them they can just maybe give them a ticket or a talking a stern talking to mm-hmm. and i think with a lot of people in these places the act the average person if you explained that to them they would go that's crazy if you shoplift from the store the cops for sure can arrest you that's crazy that would be a stupid scenario if we if we just made it so you can just shoplift 
with impunity? That's crazy. And you go, yeah, but that is what we've done. And I think a lot of people would feel very incredulous about it because it sounds too insane. Like, no, no, no. Well, that has to be some other reason because that's that, that can't be right. Right. Now, it, that's an interesting segue when you talk about, like, well, people voted for this. Um, and this has been kind of a discussion that people have had. And what I'm going to do is um, hopefully I can get it to where you can hear the audio, Alan. But uh, I've pulled yeah. up the, uh, the story here from the New York Post. Um, and what this is, is this is covering the Hawaii official, uh, and it's a Hawaii official concerned about equity delayed releasing, uh, water for more than five hours while the wildfires raged. And I'm going to play a clip real quick of this guy, and then we'll, we'll dive into this uh, news story, um, about one of the disaster officials and, uh, it, it, it's it, it's a it's a wild situation because it's just like dude what is happening here uh let me make sure the audio is on on this um but let's play this is from 2022 uh with this guy kind of discussing his feelings on water um which is likely what led to uh, some of the problems that we saw during the maui wildfires sure. to kind of elevate how we use water today right and we can be mindful of of our impacts to the resource and and with that context it's like the traditional system was really built on collective contribution and benefit and not the individual benefit of a specific project over others, right? There was always this communal, um, you put in and you get out, right? Um, but that's totally different in this this Western capitalistic kind of economy that we live in. It's very extractive, um, individualistic approaches. And when you get into that space, you create the whiskeys for drinking, waters for fighting, scenario where it's us and them um and so you know we all need water to live so really my motto is always like let water connect us and not divide us like we we can share it but it requires true conversations about equity you know like water equity it's not something that's talked about a lot but understanding how do we in this island space that we occupy in this short period of time we're here how do we mm -hmm. leave it better live coexist with the resources that we have and then not make that burden again something we pass on to the next generations i think that's really important now you can kind of pick up exactly what went on here um so first of all he talks about water equity right and this is the whole idea of yeah uh, you know it's this western capitalistic society so th this guy is the perfect example of someone who has been propagandized uh by the left into thinking that equity is the solution for the evils of capitalism uh, because really that's the yeah. source of every bad bad thing that's ever happened on the planet ever now of course um this gets particularly exacerbated in places like Hawaii uh, because yeah. they do have a native population and they did end up becoming a U.S. state. Now, granted, it's in, in a I'm sure I'm sure that there's a I'm sure people can give me a bunch of stories about how obviously white people bad. Um, but in reality, it, it was there was not like any sort of war or occupation that really occurred. Um, at I mean, least not without that. white people, there wouldn't be pipes full of water in Hawaii in the first place. <laughs> right. Um, and then you take that and it all sounds really good and flowery when you're sitting in Hawaii, kind of like not doing anything. And everyone has to remember there is mm -hmm. zero political issue 
in Hawaii. There's no political arguments, debates, or fights because it is a solid blue Democrat state. There's really no Republican presence whatsoever in the state of Hawaii. It is a complete and total Democrat just that that's it. Like it's the Democrat pr- yeah. party is entirely ascendant in Hawaii. So with that being said, uh, so there's actually, mm-hmm. so the, uh, there's more details um, in that, uh, that story. Why was this water needed to fight the fires prevented from reaching the firefighters who wanted them? Well, so uh, when these fires started, there was uh, the, the history of this goes, there's a dispute between the Department of Land and Natural Resources of the state of Hawaii that manages water and this company called the West Maui Land Company, which manages agriculture and residential subdivisions in West Maui. The Department of Land and Natural Resources, headed by this gentleman, delayed releasing water. Uh, so essentially this fire happened and this company that owns a bunch of farms and residential subdivisions where the fire was breaking out, requested they release extra water so that that they could fight the fire essentially on this company's property. And the Department of Land and Natural Resources basically delayed the request by four hours um, because this company was saying like, hey, there's a fire on this property. We need extra water to help us to fight this fire and get it under control. And the state of Hawaii said, no. The uh, and this is according to the Honolulu Civil Beat, um, reported by them, that Kahalo Manuel, the gentleman we uh, under that we were discussing that works for the state of Hawaii, uh, initially balked at West Maui Land Company's request for additional water to help prevent the fire from spreading to properties managed by the company. According to sources, Manuel wanted West Maui Land to get permission from a taro farm located downstream from the company's property. Manuel eventually released water, but not until after the fire had spread. It was not clear on Monday how much damage the fire did in the interim or whether homes were damaged. His office said they were unable to facilitate an inquiry at this time. Yeah. However, the company representatives maintained that the um, that the basically government of Hawaii did not want the water to be used to fight fires on this company's property. Right. Yeah. And he, um, yeah. So th- this guy, like Kaleo Manuel, he was a, uh, he was actually one of the leaders. He's connected, of course, wonderfully to, uh, he was a leader uh, in the Obama Foundation. So he's formerly in the Obama oh. Foundation. And now he hasn't been fired. He actually got transferred to a different position. So this, oh, this guy has not been fired, just transferred to a different position. Uh, he was transferred to a position within the Department of Land and Natural Resources Wednesday, according to the Honolulu Civil Beat, uh, which first reported the story about the delay. And it says here that the, the West, as you were saying, the West Maui Land Company said in, on August 10th, uh, in an August 10th letter to Manuel that the commission refused its request to divert streams to fill landowners' reservoirs uh, in the hard-hit Lahaina area until wider, wildfires raged out of control. And sources told the Honolulu Civil Beat that Manuel had asked the company to consult that local farmer about the impact of water diversion before approving their request like anybody's going to be worried about you know when everything's on fire like this guy's going to be like well if you if you uh if you divert the water 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it is. Well, and, and it goes back to exactly what that guy was saying. He was like, well, it has to be about equity and inclusion. Yeah. And basically what that, if you cut through the nonsense, what he's really saying is anybody that is successful and wealthy, we need to cut them off at the knees in favor of people that we support and support us out of basically petty vengeance well there's certainly I'm that sure in, he looked at this company mm-hmm. and said this big company needs to suffer so we're going to say well you need to consult this like small independent tarot farmer downstream before we let you fill the firefighting reservoirs on your property i promise but, you and probably probably mm-hmm. done simply out of petty spite yeah, I, I promise oh, you that this guy... It's not what you're asking, it's that you're asking me for something. That's right. the reason I'm denying this, not because of anything about the realities of what you're asking me to ask, or yeah. asking me to do. This guy 100% evaluated... I, I guarantee that this guy 100% evaluated the race of the requester. If they were a native Hawaiian, he probably... like they He would rush... This is the kind of person that would rush water to a native Hawaiian. Um... And make sure that they got it first prior to uh, like any, you know, like white Anglo-Saxon person. That's the kind of that is the because that's a part that people don't understand also in Hawaii is there is there is some like racial dispute that does exist there. There are obviously a lot of uh, native Hawaiians and uh, they're not uh, not all of them, of course, uh, but there are certainly some that are not a fan of the white man. And when you have people that talk about equity and things like that, that means race is a giant part of their everyday living. And so there it's a hundred percent. It has to, it has to be like, what if that's a mainland company or what have you? And he's like, like, I'm worried about the tarot farmer. I want him to be able to protect his farm. Fuck your land development over there. Right. I mean, imagine there is a fire and, and, it is not surprising. This guy's an Obama acolyte. Yeah. So, of course, he thinks this way. It's like if there was a fire in the city of Chicago. Do you think they would rush fire resources into to put out the fire in a into a black community or a white community? Right. Which one do you think this, the city government of Chicago would prioritize for fire response? Well, and need I remind you, where did Obama grow up? In Hawaii. In Hawaii. I mean, I'm just saying, like, this This is the culture in which that guy was was raised. Like, this is the area, yeah. you know, this is what he was exposed to um, early on in politics, is he lived in Hawaii. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, point is, not only are there the wildfires that are raging, um, it's all because of this, like, green energy nonsense. Uh, there were diversions of firefighting resources that went to green energy pro- projects instead. Uh, that's that much. That's actually known. Uh, in addition to that, um, before the embers are even doused out, there are gigantic uh, property firms that are like calling people whose houses just burned down, trying to buy the land up. And how much do you want to bet that yeah. it, when, when people start digging, we're going to see some familiar names like BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard wanting to buy yeah, up all this uh, suddenly burned Hawaiian property, which not that, not that I... Um, I don't. I don't think that every wildfire is caused by some satellite-based energy weapon, but it's really hard to dispute it when you see companies like BlackRock making money hand over fist after a sudden disaster like this, almost as if it was planned. 
know. Um, I guess what is kind of uh, crazy about that is that there seem to be a lot of developers that are right now jumping in to buy up this land. Right. They hadn't been able to do this. This, this community actually had a big kind of fight with a bunch of developers in the last couple of years and got essentially a law or ordinance passed that you can't develop this area into, say, brand new multi-million dollar resorts and all these other things. That this area can't be developed. It's going to stay as a town for local Hawaiians. Mm -hmm. And the caveat was, unless buildings are destroyed in a natural disaster, they can't be basically redeveloped. Right. Essentially, to prevent like someone bulldozing this town and building a giant multi-million dollar resort, they said, okay, if, if a building... For a building to get demolished, it has to be destroyed in a natural disaster. Okay. Well, now a natural disaster has hit. All these buildings got demolished, and there right now are a bunch of developers wringing their hands together, looking at this going, we could finally build that multi-million dollar giant resort we wanted on this very valuable strip of land. So I can understand where people look at that and go, it's so convenient for a bunch of developers. I can see how people would wonder, like, wouldn't it be beyond the pale for them to have, like, for this to be arson? Probably. Right. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are very suspicious of that, especially because I think a lot of people know that the government of Hawaii and the people in charge of making these decisions would probably facilitate developers coming in and essentially taking over all this land, buying it out from other relevant residents and redeveloping it into a giant resort. Because the, the government officials of Hawaii that would approve that would probably get a hefty kickback from that company. Now, at the same time, it's not just one person that's been a huge problem in this. When, when we look at um, what happened um, with, you know, with everything going on with this fire. Because one of uh, there, there was an official that actually had to step down this week. Um, this is actually this is a CBS News article, and it says a uh, a sole official in Maui is tasked with deciding when to pull warning sirens that sound out on Hawaii's yeah. second largest island during emergencies. In the case notably of, for things like a hurricane. Mm -hmm. In the case of blazing wildfires uh, that leveled the historic town of Lahaina and left over 100 dead last week, that official chose not to sound the alarms, a decision he is now defending. I do not regret sounding I do not regret not sounding the sirens, Maui Emergency Management Agency Administrator Herman Andaya uh, told CBS News at a, at a news conference on Wednesday in his first public comments since the wildfires broke out. The public and I, I actually listened to this and this, this is what he says. Uh, the public is trained to seek higher ground in the event that the sirens are sounded. And Daya said, adding that the sirens are primarily used to warn of tsunamis, uh, which is why almost all of them are found near the coastline. Had we sounded the sirens that night, we were afraid that people would have gone uh, would have uh, gone Mauka, which it means mountainside. And if that was the case, uh, then they would have gone into the fire. I should also note that there are no uh, sirens Mauka or on the mountainside where where the fire was spreading down. Uh, he said, so even if we sounded the sirens, it would not have saved uh, those people on the mountainside. Um, this is that that's a very interesting like 
I can kind of understand that excuse, but Alan, yeah. you brought up something this morning when we were talking that, um, but we've seen uh, these sirens yeah. used. <laughs> yeah. So in 2018, the they, state of Hawaii accidentally issued via the emergency alert system and wireless emergency alert system over television, radio, cell phones, including... Uh, instructing citizens to seek shelter due to an incoming ballistic missile. It concluded, this is not a drill. <laughs> right. And that was the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. Basically feels, was just like, oh no, like push the button, like sound the alarm, there's a ballistic missile coming in. But then when there's a giant fire, that that situation changes. Now, I can kind of understand maybe where he comes is coming from, but it sounds like that's a justification after the fact. Because when looking at video of people in this area, there's a great video I saw where it was taken first person, and it sort of cut, you know, hour by hour, was this lady sitting there and, like, looking out her window going, wow, there's a lot of smoke from over there. That seems like it's not good. Hope they get that under control. Then, like, a bit later, she's like, ooh, that, that smoke's getting worse. And then you see, like, some flames down at the end of the street, like, blow out like off a building she's like oh oh that building's on fire like i should we leave should be and her husband's like yeah i think we should i think we should go and so then they get in the car and then they're driving out and they're trying to find like oh and like increasingly in this video she's taking more and more things around them are, are actually catching a blaze and cup filled with smoke and it finally kind of concludes with them driving out onto the highway away from the city with her looking back as everything's in flames yeah. and watching that video it's hard to come to the conclusion that if they were sitting there going, wow, there's a lot of smoke from way over there, and then heard the emergency sirens going off, that they wouldn't have made the decision to pack up the car and get out of there a lot sooner than they did. Even if people was like, oh, people will drive mountainside. Yeah, if there's a big fire there, they're not going to drive into the smoke. Right. That, that seems... I can understand... The idea, well, we don't want people to run up, run off into the hills when they hear the typhoon warning. It's like, yeah, I think people will figure out there's a giant fire from all the massive smoke and not just drive into it. Like, well, it's well, also nighttime and drive. fire I, creates I need to light. Get away, so. Yeah. Sorry. Good? No, it's, it's nighttime and fire creates light. You're going to fucking know that there's a yeah. fire when it's during the nighttime. Mm-hmm. I, I, sorry. It, it's like, just... Well, oh, oh no, there, there might be a typhoon. I better drive into this burning like, <laughs> yeah. area of town. <laughs> wow, it's really lit up over there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, it, the, the typhoon won't get me here. The, the, other, the other problem is, is that uh, uh, this uh, one of the excuses that we're hearing is like, well, we sent everything out uh, via um, the cell phone warning system. Well, guess what? Alan, you you and I have dealt a lot with uh, RF signals and things back in our day as uh, as intelligence guys. Where's the best place to uh, put a, a signal tower, uh, a cell phone tower? Where would be the best place for you to want to put it uh, to to be able to reach the maximum amount of people in the cheapest way possible? On top of a mountain. On top of a mountain. What was on fire? Ooh, was it the mountain? Yeah. So guess how well the uh, cell signal was working that day. Right. Yeah. Like he was like, oh, we didn't sound the alarms because we yeah. sent a text message. Yeah? Your cell phones were down, dumbass. Yeah, so at <laughs> very best, it, it seems like at very best, this was basically a, a huge mistake. 
to yeah. not uh, I'll turn on the to not turn on the sirens. Well, it's it it's was a, a very best a big mistake. It's at a very big, worst. It was basically gross negligence and incompetence. It is gross negligence and incompetence over a big mistake because none of these people that we've named are actually qualified to do these jobs. Um, the, That's very true. The guy we were just talking about had zero qualifications in disaster management whatsoever. He just happened to used to work for, I believe it was the mayor. And then he basically got a cream mm -hmm. position, which is exactly how these things work. And we see this all the time. Pete Buttigieg is the secretary of transportation with zero experience whatsoever in transportation. But he's the secretary of transportation because he agreed to step out of Super Tuesday um, and let Joe Biden actually yeah. become ascendant in the primaries, uh, in the 2020 primaries. And he was given a, quote, cush position, which brings me to my next topic in reference to what's going on in Maui. Because, of course, we're making fun of Pete Buttigieg because it's hilarious that he's a you know secretary of transportation, which, to be fair, normally, it kind of doesn't matter because you're you, in reality, you're just an administrator. You're just the guy who's like making sure that operations are going like you don't have to be an expert in that field and just about no one in any political administration. I mean, Elaine Chow was the um, secretary of transportation under Donald Trump. She's the wife of uh, 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 Mitch McConnell. Right. You know, like she she doesn't have experience in transportation. And the point is, is like these are a lot of these positions are just given to people as basically political favors. And they're a lot like ambassadorships and things, things like that. And maybe that needs to change. I would agree that that needs to change. There are certain, obviously certain offices um, that are far more likely uh, to go to people that have experience in it. But the point I'm making here is like, we only know about the hilarity that is Pete Buttigieg as the uh, transportation secretary of transportation. Because there have been previous disasters that have happened under the Biden administration, and we're starting to see a pattern form. Uh, there was uh, East Palestine, Ohio, or Palestine, I think is how they say it, East Palestine, Ohio, mm -hmm. uh, where there was the train derailment, and there were all these chemicals that were spilling out, and it took absolutely forever uh, for there to be any appropriate response to come out of it, and it took nothing more, nothing less than absolute outrage and political pressure coming from the right to get a, a Biden administration official to even go and like walk amongst the unwashed masses. And it yeah. like it took something like what was it like a week and a half or something, and then Pete Buttigieg showed up and basically did a photo op where he like put on a hard hat and walked around a little bit. Um, and it's just like it's it's pathetic because we're seeing the same thing. Joe Biden has been yeah. on vacation during these wildfires because of course he is because that's all he does. We had all these Democrats bitch every time Donald Trump played a played a round of golf. Um, but Joe yeah. Biden has been, and I'm not joking. This is not hyperbole. I want everyone to know I am not being hyperbolic, hyperbolic at all, but Joe Biden has spent 30 to 40% of his presidency on vacation. Yeah. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because the less that Joe Biden does, the better. But at the same time, are you, are you kidding me right now? And so he's sitting at like Rehoboth Beach, I believe it was, and he was approached by the media 
And they said, you know, uh, you know, do you have anything to say to the, the the people who are currently suffering like the wildfires in Maui? And his response was no comment. Seemingly really bad response. And it, which is weird because it's such an easy response. You know, we're Great. doing everything that we can. You know, they're they're being given the full amount of resources uh, possible. Like they're in our thoughts and prayers. Like yeah. just basic. And and by the way, it's Joe Biden. Joe Biden can do this because then the media would sit there orgasmically stroking themselves on television yeah. about how he's the greatest president ever. It'd be so easy for them to just. Oh, wow, that's great. Oh, boy, yeah, Joe Biden's doing everything he can. It would deflect all of our criticisms. So when we criticize Biden about this, they'd be like, oh, he's doing everything he can, see? Yeah, we would just have and to be like, yeah, Joe Biden sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would it would really def it would defang any right-wing criticism. That's why I'm baffled that they wouldn't do that. Like, they wouldn't go for the easy win. <clears throat> just very, right. very confusing to me. So, I mean, it's it's amazing. Well, and of course, he's he went from vacation to vacation. Um, let me actually yeah. let me actually look this up real quick because I I, I want to make sure I get it absolutely correct. Um, because it, it 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 as weird as it sounds, it is actually important. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me see. There we go. Uh, yeah, there was a random post, and it was, uh, yeah, POTUS is wheels up. This was on uh, on the 18th. POTUS is wheels up shortly, uh, uh, wheels up shortly for a week-long vacation in Lake Tahoe. So this guy was at the beach, and he was in Rehoboth Beach, where he said, no comment. And then, uh, this is actually, the this was a tweet from the White House reporter for the Associated Press. So he gave the, you know, he, when he said no comment, he was like sitting in a beach chair at Rehoboth beach. So this week he was at Rehoboth beach and now he suddenly wheels up to go for a week to Lake Tahoe and the defense that we're seeing from liberals when anyone's obviously bringing up how pathetic this is, is, uh, the response is, well, he, it's not just a vacation. He's also going to Maui. But it's like, you're only going to Maui. You're only going to Maui because of all the backlash you're getting right now for not doing or saying anything. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I do. Mm -hmm. you, you didn't. I don't. I wouldn't have required Joe Biden to go to Maui. I don't really. I, when presidents visit anywhere that's a disaster zone, I feel that it probably makes things harder for the disaster response to yeah. deal with. It's all political it's like bullshit. Would, it's it's like I remember when um, George W. Bush flew over uh, New Orleans after that hurricane, right? And everybody like he just flew over. Wah! And I always thought that's a rather disingenuous attack because if the president is going to land and set foot anywhere, there's a huge amount of logistical work that has to happen that probably derails all the other response mechanisms like you'd have to coordinate with the police there's a secret service detachment there's a communications detach detachment they'd have to set all this up and i can understand how after disaster you'd go well i if i set foot on the ground that's going to take a bunch of resources that they need 
we do it's like you need a bunch of police to like do crowd control and do security and, and those are requirements for the president to go there right and it is understandable that a president wouldn't in fact it's probably better for them to say i am going to i am monitoring the situation i'm talking with people on the ground uh here my statement is we're going to do everything we can to help They're like and i'm directing a bunch of resources there in fact here is my secretary of emergency like the secretary of fema is right here next to me and he will detail all of FEMA's plan to push aid to these people and how that's going to work. Like, maybe send the FEMA director. He should go and maybe set foot on the ground. I can right. see that being appropriate. But this requirement that the president shows up, it's simply for a photo op, and that's what I find so annoying about it. Yeah, and, and that's been in agreement this entire time. Now, uh, obviously, people use it for political fodder. That does make it kind of annoying. And to make matters even worse is, you know, I'm old enough to remember... Uh, that every time that there was some disaster, and this is the problem, the left set these rules. Every time there was right. a disaster, there was a demand that Donald Trump had to go. He had to go. He had to go. And then when he would go, they would bitch about what he did while he was there. You know, yeah. he showed up after Hurricane Maria when you had that uh, you had that dumb broad that was out there like, we are dying. And she got a screen printed T-shirt made. So she could do an interview with Anderson Cooper when her people had no clean drinking drinking water and no power. She somehow had was able to wear a brand new screen printed shirt that said "We are dying," so she could go on CNN and berate Donald Trump and call right. him racist. And, and the thing is, even when she was getting that T-shirt printed, everyone in Puerto Rico knew that there was a giant, there's a big Navy basically convoy on the way full of aid that right. resources were were on getting getting there it's just you're an island off in the gulf of mexico look yeah it's you're an island like technically atlantic i don't know you're an yeah you're an island it takes like a minute for stuff to get there especially when your runways are all screwed up mm -hmm. and the thing is i remember looking and going why is trump getting all this flack the navy is currently en route with a giant convoy of aid and supplies everyone just needs to hold on for a couple days and then this is going to start being addressed yeah your island was hit by a hurricane sucks to be you but you know it's not like you're being left alone and forgotten and so all of that was like so much of the trump administration was being treated was so frustratingly disingenuous that i was shocked when people believed it well, and, and, and let me let me remind everybody um, that several, several political officials in Puerto Rico were later arrested by the FBI uh, because yeah. they were withholding aid and taking bribes. Yep. It's like so. these same people that were, we are dying, <laughs> were then just grifting and taking. I remember the stories of all of this aid is sitting and just rotting on the docks because these corrupt officials are too incompetent to actually get it to the people that need it. Right. Now, um, shifting gears a little bit from that. So that, that, but that's, that's the basic update of the wildfires. And in, in addition to it is, it is, it, it's extremely notable to point out to everybody that every time something bad like this happens, um, it's always horribly mismanaged. And the reason why it's horribly mismanaged is because so many of these 
positions that we see go to people as political favors to do nothing. Yeah. That's the whole point is like the guy who's working for the emergency management department of whatever might have gotten that position because he did a favor for the mayor or for the governor or for the president of the United States. And it's just given this primo position where you basically do nothing. The place runs itself and you just get to sit there and shake hands and kiss babies and make money. And that is a very, when people talk about the deep state and draining the swamp, I hope that we all agree that that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And that's the kind of stuff that needs to be, you know, drained when we really get into it is the fact that no one's taking this seriously. And the bigger, what makes it even worse than anything else is the fact that the majority of Americans, rightfully so, think that the people that are in these positions must be the best for the job because no one would be so craven as to, you know, put these people, like put a complete moron in uh, in this place because what if something bad happens and we need them to be able to act except that is literally how it works guys they're not the they're not the experts dr anthony fauci as we all know was not is not an expert he's a political hack now that's a fun segue um i'm going to play an audio clip for people and uh, this this was something that aired the other day, uh, and uh, I believe it was on CNN, if I remember correctly. And I, I just I just want I just want you to listen to it and understand uh, the potential uh, hyperbole here, because you know it's it's now August. We're heading into September, so we're going to be going officially into fall soon, and we get used to this now after the last several years of COVID of all the scaremongering uh, that occurs when we start getting into what normally would be called cold season or flu season well now it has to be covid season but you know i don't know if you guys noticed this but several uh large pharmaceuticals didn't have very good showings in uh you know their their outlooks are being revised for the fourth quarter of 2023 profits aren't doing so well and part of that might be because there's not a government that has a gun to your head mandating um that people buy your product uh, it's entirely right. possible because they had a really great showing last year uh, when everyone, you know, was required to go buy their product if they wanted to, you know, go back to work or, you know, travel or do any of it. So call me conspiratorial, uh, but when I hear news segments like this coming out of CNN, I start to get suspicious. COVID is making a comeback this summer, so many of us would like to leave it in the past, but cases are once again on the rise. So when will new booster shots roll out? Ann Thompson asked the CDC director. This summer, most Americans left COVID in the past, gathering together once again mask-free. But tonight, signs of a COVID resurgence. Across the country, COVID hospitalizations jumped more than 14% in the most recent week, but far lower than pandemic levels. NBC News medical contributor Dr. Kavita Patel. What's behind this uptick in COVID that we're seeing? The main driver of this is a variant that's relatively newer to the scene, EG5. It's easier to give and get, so that makes it kind of easier to pass along. It's been almost a year since the last COVID booster came out, 
CDC Director Dr. Mandy Cohen. The new COVID booster is expected to be approved by the FDA and then we will make recommendations from the CDC probably by the second or third week of September. Will it protect against this new strain? Yes, the booster is tailored to what we are seeing circulating now. Critics say the federal government is behind once again. Mm -hmm. People knew there was going to be a COVID resurgence. Mm -hmm. So why don't we have a booster today? Why do we have to wait until next month? The way we go about doing our, just like we do with our flu shots, right? We make sure that we're looking at the ways in which the virus changed. They look at and evaluate that. The FDA is doing its work. We likely will see this as an annual um, COVID uh, shot, just like the flu shot. Just in time for fall, when we'll also face RSV. Can you take the flu shot, the COVID booster, and the RSV vaccine all at once? So for flu and COVID, yes. RSV, again, is only available for older adults. That's one where I'd say, talk to your doctor about what's right for you. So until the new COVID booster comes, get prepared. Stock up on at-home tests. They do cover that new strain. Keep a mask handy in case you're in a crowded place. And most of all, get your shots, COVID, flu, and RSV, all by Halloween to give yourself your best chance of staying healthy. Less hmm. Mm, I hate it. <laughs> I thought COVID was over and done with. Well, it's not. It's not only that. It's it's the you know. So what what they're doing is they're they're piling it in the same as as flu, right? And to be to be fair, I I, I remember uh, flu shots being you know like there there was always a mention of it. Don't forget to go get your flu shot. And then nobody would do that. <laughs> like, let's just yeah. be honest. I don't know about you, Alan, but and no one I know goes and gets their flu shot. I don't. I I wouldn't go get my flu shot, and then I I don't go and get flu. You know, uh, this this is this is a completely normal thing. Also, the flu shot has never been a uh, contingency of my employment, nor my ability to travel, nor my ability to do really anything. It was a choice. It was a choice that if I wanted to go get it, I could. If I didn't, then supposedly I was taking the risk to get the flu, and I've had flu like like uh, twice since I've been an adult. So um, not really, well, okay, exempting when we were in the military. Uh, we were right. required to get it every single year, but, uh, and I do, I, I'm pretty sure I've covered this before on the program, but I'll, I'll cover it again for those uh, who might be uh, uh, new in joining this, is the United States military, believe it or not, actually gets their uh, flu shots, or really we get a mist, um, but we get it early. And the reason why, is and this is completely um, transparent to us. Um, we are actually given uh, each different type of flu vaccination in different parts of the country, and we're actually used. The DoD is used as a test bed for what the most effective vaccine is to release to the general public. Yeah, and so mm, they don't really advertise that too much. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it, uh, when I say it's transparent, I mean no one hides it from you as long as you know what to ask. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I I was informed of that um, because I was a platoon sergeant and I had to I had to actually keep track of sick call notices uh, because there was uh, the um, Army Medical Command would collect them at a certain point because they wanted to see uh, whether or not people got sick with symptoms that looked like the flu to figure out whether or not this uh, uh, the the strain that they gave us uh, in in Georgia whether or not that was uh, more effective than the strain, say they gave people in California or wherever, wherever it was. Sure, um, 
so yeah, it's not advertised. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. It's not like they lined us up and you know fully informed us so we could have informed consent. But you're also in the military, so informed consent's not a thing. Um, but at the same right. time, it, it's just yeah, I, we we wouldn't we didn't do it. And and if you're going to treat it the same as a flu shot, fine. I don't care. I mean, I think it's silly and dumb, um, but that's that's not the concern. And now you know our my my biggest fear right now is that we're going to have to pay into the Alex Jones was right tip jar because uh, this is what Alex Jones had to say, uh, I believe it was on Friday, on his show InfoWars, um, claiming, he, he claims to have a whistleblower and a source here, um, but let's, let's see what he has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town, and they wanted to meet with me that I know well. And they are a high-level manager in the TSA. And I went and met with them and had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September that the new policy is being written, that this is done. They were told this is happening. This is not hypothetical. You will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada and because of the WHO, they may you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. Huh. Yeah. What that says to me is, um, I mean... If big, if true, <laughs> but at the same time, like if that is the case, that means that this isn't based on anything. This is not based on anything scientifically. Mm -hmm. So it's going to happen. They're going to do this. Uh, it's, it's, it's a done deal is basically what I'm hearing. See, I think that there, there's a component of this that is easy to kind of miss. And that's, I don't want to give them too much credit, but it's it's not so much whatever the reality is that the virus are anymore. It's because somebody has already made this a policy. It's mm -hmm. now inevitably going to get enacted, and then the justification will come afterwards. Right. Simply from the perspective of just bureaucratic inertia, if someone went through the work to – someone was probably told – hey, you need to create a policy for like this next COVID, possible COVID wave. Someone created the policy, they brief everybody in the policy. Now the bureaucratic wheels are moving and it would probably become almost impossible to stop. And after they, ha after they are essentially forced to implement this because of nonsense bureaucracy, mm -hmm. there's no way to turn, you can't just turn it off. You can't just switch off the response because well we made the policy and we have this whole plan to implement it and it's going on track and you want to just change all that you can't it's a policy and because policy in these organizations is so hard to change it's going to be implemented regardless 
And then the media will run top cover by saying like, well, it, I mean, probably, and actually a lot of people will probably go, well, it's probably because the, 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 the virus is just so super duper bad rather yeah. than it's because you're the systems that run your country are so super duper inefficient and corrupt. Like all the people in charge of all of, of all these things, just like in Hawaii, they're picking the people that are the most politically viable to run all these organizations. But those people are basically incompetent at running things. And the entire federal bureaucracy is filled with people that are incompetent but politically attractive. And that's why all of this stuff can't help but be absolutely the worst possible thing to do for the country. Because it's there, the people in charge are incompetent, and that is a hard thing to get across to normal people. They go, no, 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 you can't. You can't. The people in charge aren't incompetent. And you're like, yes, yes, they actually are. They are incompetent because competence is not in the job description. That's not why they're selected. It's not the reason why they're put in these positions. I mean, I would feel like a lot of the U.S. military now falls under this. Like, if you become a general, are you selected because you're actually really competent at maneuvering troops and handling logistics or is it because you're friends with the people in in charge you know enough people in the defense industry you've greased the palms of enough politicians you're a safe bet for the joint chiefs of staff who mm -hmm. will make their careers look better it's and and competence at the actual job if anything is almost even a negative because it means you're not spending time on the nonsense politicking which actually is the primary focus of your boss and your boss's boss. <coughs> well, and the the impressive, well, it, the the horrible part about this is, like I said, is this is it, it's a policy that's written, but it's based in not it's based on nothing, because we we also just played a whole thing that oh yeah, there's a booster that's going to go out in in a logical world, mm -hmm. in a logical world. Well, if this booster is available, then people can go get the booster and this shouldn't be a problem that would necessitate masking and lockdowns and all that because there's a booster available. Like that doesn't make sense. Those two things, how do those two things exist in the same universe? Except for the idea that number one, the booster doesn't work or number two, even if it does work, people aren't going to go get it because why, why would they care? And then the government basically has to just force you to do things and perhaps maybe end up making it to where you have to go buy this big pharma product or else, you know, that's the only way that you get away with not having to wear a mask or not having to lock down or being able to get out of your home. The real question here is, I mean, obviously, like we have timelines now. We have mid-September, yeah. we're going to start seeing at least like airport employees and TSA masking, perhaps federal employees masking. So we're going to see that mid-September according to, to what we just heard. And that'll give us, you know, some idea of the validity of it. But we're also seeing a lot of, you know, there's a lot of discussion. Part of the reason to bring this up, and I'm not trying to negate anything that Alex Jones says. He does have sources. And of course, this makes sense. I've been wondering how long it's going to be. What I'm surprised by in reality is I thought that this would be next year heading into the election is when we would see Agreed. this, you know, because Agreed. that's how that that's that's how Biden plans on winning. And perhaps perhaps they're rolling it forward now to make it to where they don't only do it on election year. You know, like we have to do it the year before yeah. or else it's going to look real suspicious. Right. Additionally, it could just be simple greed. Yeah, it could what be it, simple there, greed. The, the, 
Pfizer's coming out with a new booster. They need a captive population to go get the booster so yeah. that they can then bill the U.S. government for the cost of the booster because the booster is going to be given free to the population. Right. And Pfizer is going to sit back and collect another few billion dollars. Right. No, exactly. And, I mean, it could be a wag-the-dog scenario. Like, wow, we created this uh, new booster series that we could, that if, you know, we get 300 million people to take it, then we make we can charge the government like thirty billion dollars. Okay, well, um, how do we do that? Uh, I know just through all of our contacts in the U.S. government, the CDC, and the media, we'll just you know start reporting. Oh, there's this crazy, scary variant, and then we'll release this. The government will essentially you know put in all of these controls that damage individual freedom and make people to drive up demand for our product. I think that could be a big part of it is if the government is acquiring masking and all these things and, ooh, COVID's super scary, oh, it drives up demand for the product because people are like, well, if we all get this booster, then I guess COVID goes away and then I'm not inconvenienced with all this masking nonsense. Right. That's, that was their playbook last time was to make a bunch of money. We're going to scare people into demanding this booster. The government is going to make people's lives a living hell. They're all going to want it. Then we bill the government for every vaccine that the government gives out for free. We make a gazillion and we make a gazillion dollars. But if people don't want the vaccine and don't believe in COVID, then you don't make the gazillion dollars. So it's almost because the government is going to enact a bunch of policies that will hurt normal people. Normal people will inevitably think, well, it has to be because the virus is actually super scary they wouldn't be doing this unless it was real. Yeah, my government wouldn't be comply. evil and profit driven. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, and that—that's been my contention for a <laughs> lot of the stuff around COVID was was to look at it and say the government clearly wants people to take the, the the primary goal of the government is not to stop COVID; it's to get people to take the vaccine. Right, 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 right. So that to me revealed that they didn't actually care about COVID, their overall goal was selling the vaccine to people and all of the COVID lockdowns and everything were simply a scare tactic to get people to take the shot. And I feel like it was all a big cash grab, if not something even more malicious. But if they do it again, there's, all, there's every reason to believe it's no political reason, simply the lobbyists for Pfizer or whatever pharmaceutical companies coming out with this booster are just using their connections with the U.S. government to sell their product. Now, I will I will say flat out, um, and and may, maybe I'm too optimistic, but I really don't I, I don't think I am. This doesn't this doesn't work. I think I think the government if yeah. if they even try it, I don't think it, it doesn't work. First of all, um, there's not a single Republican politician that wants to keep their job that would get behind the idea of lockdowns and mandates ever again. Yeah. Um, the, the minute anybody tries to push it, they should be just, you know, immediately shamed out of the party. In addition, it, it even, even some of the conservative commentators who all like to pretend like I didn't see them, like I didn't see them and we all didn't see them pushing this shit and supporting it. Uh, looking at people like Ben Shapiro, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they can't. You won't keep your audience. There's not there's not a single politician who's running right now in the primary uh, that could get behind mask mandates and uh, uh, booster mandates and lockdowns and have any viability whatsoever. And to be fair, even in the Democrat Party, because as much as people want to act like he's a joke, um, there's at least a percentage of voters that are looking at RFK Jr., and yeah. if there's one thing RFK Jr.'s best known for, it is that he is anti-vaccine. That is how that guy's had a career for so long. Mm-hmm. Is he's been like for years, far well, decades, far before COVID. This guy is viciously anti-vaccine. It's the only reason why people on the right listen to him because he is a raging liberal. I mean, he's absolutely, he's anti-Second Amendment. He's a giant uh, uh, climate uh, crisis uh, uh, sycophant. All of those things. He's a dyed-in-wool Democrat and all of those things. The only thing that we agree with him on is that he is anti-vaccine and has been for decades. Um, Yeah. I don't think that that means that he's a good politician at all. Agreeing with me on one thing is not good enough. But for some people, apparently it is. Um, But the point is, is that even in the even in the Democrat Party, he has at least a decent percentage that makes it to where, like, hey man, you might not be able to get a plurality. There are Democrats that are buying into or 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 are willing to accept a lot of the claims that are being made by RFK Jr. I just don't think it flies. I don't think you can sell it twice. I just don't. Um I think the yeah. government's going to try it, and um, my hope is is that it just dies on the vine very quickly because a bunch of Republican governors are like, nope, yeah, we're not doing that. Fuck that. Nope, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully uh, this doesn't become one of those woke capital things where every major business says, well, you have to because I don't want my ESG score to go down or something. Because if the government yes. pushes too hard on this, I very, very seriously believe that there will be a violent response uh, from the American people. And what we cannot do in the event of that violent response is get distracted as to why it's happening. And it is happening because the government is trying to control your life again for zero reason. Because I will still clearly state, and it has been it has been a couple of years now, I will still clearly put this out and state this. I still do not know a single person who has been hospitalized, let alone has died from COVID. Not yeah. a single person I know. Not a single one. And I don't know anyone who knows someone that died from COVID. Mm. So you're never going to be able to sell to me that this is such an existential threat that we need to completely and fundamentally change our way of life. Right. I think there's going to be a number of people that if they try to do COVID again, I think there's going to be a bunch of probably normal people that go along with it just like they did last time because the idea that they're being lied to is too scary for them to even consider. But I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, there's a lot of Democrats that are have listened to, say, RFK Jr. There's a lot of people that are relatively skeptical of this now and i'd be really i'll be interested to see how where the pushback comes from and how it happens yeah 
like I, I would hope that anymore a lot of places go, yeah, we're not doing this again. And especially I'd be curious if they float the idea of lockdowns again. I, mm. I feel like that would be almost impossible. But anything's I, I would leave anything up to these people. Well, and that's that's the whole idea is that um, you know, what 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 we're seeing, or at least from this claim, is that they are gonna move into locking down. Which mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's the you you can't take this information, be kind of surprised by it, and not see it as well. It's also entirely possible that too much evidence is going to come out about the corruption of Joe Biden that he may need to lock the country down so people don't try to you know storm right. Washington D.C. and drag out the most corrupt and treasonous administration that the United States has ever seen. Right, because that's the that is a, a portion of it. It's why would they do this? Well, there is a potential mm-hmm. that having just like in twenty 2020, twenty the twenty twenty election, having the excuse of COVID was very convenient to the people in power. It meant they had carte blanche to clamp down on protests that they didn't like under COVID fears. Because I remember there's a lot of things like, oh, we can't allow this. Um, anti-lockdown protest because of uh, of covid like the anti-lockdown protests increased the risk of covid but the black lives matter protests didn't right it gives them a very convenient excuse to do a lot of things that they would certainly like to do and so i can understand why they would be motivated to have this covid scare going on again right right now um <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm responding to something real quick. So if you guys can hear me typing, I do apologize. Um, but the uh, uh, one thing I will note, I don't think it happens. I think I think the I think the entire point of this and uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting anything about like controlled opposition here, but I've seen other I've seen this being floated in other places. Um, at least mm-hmm. somewhat. Uh, I I think that if the government has any 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 clue on what they're doing whatsoever, there's zero way uh, they they look at this, they test it, and then they go, "It's not a good idea. We're not doing it." Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, one of the things that let's see here. Uh, sorry, we have a we have a comment here, and it's like it was never. Had the beer bug. It was never a thing for me. Uh, an ambulance call. I slept sitting up and anointed myself in the grease of disdain, Vicks Vapor Rub, along with either NyQuil, zinc, and uh, vitamin C lozenges yeah. for about a week. Still safer than going to the hospital due to the push for ventilators. Okay. So yeah. so that that is someone who, who got it. And basically <laughs> did an at-home remedy like we all did when, like we all did. I mean, I grew up, I grew up poor. We didn't go to the doctor unless you were going to die. Like we didn't have health insurance. Sure. Like Vicks Vapor Rub was the, like, <laughs> rub that on your chest and hope to God everything gets better. Um, you know, like that, that, that's, that's the part that bothers me so much about all of this is like, like I, I had to just spend my life for the last several years watching people be afraid of something. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about this. And everyone's like, no, it's so scary. Yeah. And it's like, it's not just 
take some vitamins, shut the fuck up. And if you get sick, act like you're sick. Just do the thing you do when you're sick. And everyone's like, well, I'm going to go to the doctor. And it's like, oh, Jesus, you go to the doctor for the sniffles? The fuck is wrong with you? Like, no wonder, no wonder medicine costs so goddamn much money. You people are retarded. Yeah, I, I guess the, the, the scare tactic, I think, really worked on a lot of people. That if if I was if I had no idea COVID existed and I got COVID, the based on the symptoms that I heard people report, I would have been like, "Wow, it sounds like you got a bad case of the flu." Yep. I would sit at home and go, "Well, I guess I'm going to take zinc and vitamin C and do you know what I would do if I got the flu." Mm-hmm. And that seemed like for the like, unless you were old and infirm, or that seems like the only that that worked for people. Yeah, it absolutely did because it's I, literally what you do when you get sick. <laughs> right. And I, especially looking back now, there was no treatment. If you went to the hospital and you had COVID, what did they do? Did they how did they treat it? Did they have a it was very illuminating to me to realize and that in during this pandemic, the CDC and all of these hospitals and research institutions across the country, they never developed a way to treat COVID after you had gotten it. Yeah. Because if the, which they should have, they should have said, oh, if you show up and you already have COVID, well, we put you on fluids and we get you zinc and vitamin C and these drugs, X, Y, and Z, bop, bop, bop. That's what ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were for, was mm-hmm. if you already have COVID, this is how you treat the COVID infection. Instead, all it was was, well, we'll just keep you in the hospital and uh, maybe put you on a ventilator. Yeah. And put you honestly, on a ventilator and, and give you remdesivir. killed people. Yeah. What's that? It was put you on a ventilator and give you remdesivir. And remdesivir yes, that's right. was being remdesivir. used to treat Ebola and killed like 54% of the people. And yeah. literally got banned from use just a year prior. Right. And then, you know, like, obviously, Anthony Fauci had stock or something in the damn company because uh, no matter what, he had to figure out, you know, he, he needs an excuse to get remdesivir out. So I'm assuming he has, like, equity or some shit in, <laughs> in, in yeah. the bill because he really wanted to find a reason to do it. He tried to do it for Ebola, and they 100% kicked it out um, when he was using it for Ebola and then he runs it out for COVID. And it's funny because the people that were dying in the hospital of COVID were dying of things. Like I, I, I specifically remember hearing people state that they had never seen a virus that attacked the kidneys. They had never seen that. Yeah. One of the top fatalities from remdesivir when Anthony Fauci was pushing it for Ebola was kidney failure. So it wasn't the virus attacking the kidneys. It was the goddamn cure. Right. Exactly. And of course, they're going to ignore that. They're going to completely ignore that because the science and because the yeah. money point is well, because I don't, the money, mm-hmm. because if if there was if it was, oh, you can contract covid like you can contract the flu. And if you do and it's so bad, you have to be hospitalized. Well, we have this whole schedule of treatment on how to deal with it, mm-hmm. just like every other disease. Right. In fact, if you catch COVID and you're relatively healthy, you can be at home and if you take a bunch of zinc and this and you can get this prescription for this and you're probably going to be fine and you won't have and it won't progress to the stage where you need to be hospitalized. If that existed, it would mean people wouldn't be as incentivized to go rush out and get the vaccine. And it certainly seems like 
based on the efforts that were taken by the CDC and all these other organizations to ensure that drugs like hydroxychloroquine <laughs> and ivermectin were demonized and banned, mm -hmm. it Un until absolutely now. seems like... What's that? Sorry, until now. Recently... Until now, yes. There's, yeah, there's, the CDC it just, admitted that it yeah, works. It just came out. It, even it, after the CDC... Even after the CDC, on Twitter, the official CDC page mocked people taking ivermectin, saying, don't take ivermectin for, for COVID, you're not a horse, huck, huck, yuck, yuck, yuck. Right. Now, for the CDC to have changed its mind to go, actually, ivermectin is actually totally capable of treating COVID. It, it, to me, the only explanation was they are all being, they are all, trying to create a scenario where people feel hopeless because that is how they are selling this vaccine it could be something it could be something less malicious than that to be completely honest with you it could Maybe. be that it was right-wing people that were talking about ivermectin and so friend good Maybe. enemy bad. that's exactly what it was yeah that's, that, that, that's at least part of it yeah that, well the thing is ivermectin started sh showing a lot of potential for treating covid Right-wing people who were not who are outside the media-dominated um, sphere and wanted to find talking about anything it. that wasn't getting a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that's and that's when government started banning ivermectin. In fact, they banned hydroxychloroquine like the day it came. The virus sort of showed up because the only thing I can think is because they wanted to drive up the death toll in order to sell more vaccine. In order to make it more scary, so they could crush more um, individual rights. It's like it, there's no way to look at the timeline of COVID and not come away with massive government corruption and uh, collusion with private pharmaceutical companies to take advantage of the crisis as much as possible. Right now, um, the big final part that I'm going to push on this, because then uh, I, I do want to get into what's what's going to be coming up with like the uh, uh, GOP debate and everything is this could be very interesting if they do try to make this push and it starts becoming kind of an issue where we talk about boosters and masks and things like that, because, you know, we do have the primary going on and we have a candidate like Donald Trump who has still um, continually praised the vaccine which is the right. most divergent thing I've seen from a candidate. It is, if, if I'm going to be honest with people, like, um, you know, I, I like Trump. Don't get me wrong. I, I do. And I may support him in the primary. But one of the reasons why I have such an issue recently and have talked about it pretty, pretty openly, especially if you follow us on our Discord, um, one of the things that just pisses me off the most is how much mostly his supporters uh, won't allow you to bring up the fact that he still has not disavowed the vaccine, even though just about every single Republican I know, I don't know a single Republican that's like, no, the vaccine's a good thing. I don't know a single one, especially, especially among Trump supporters, but they tell, they, they will, they will attack you so viciously. If you bring that up, it's, it's a thing you're not allowed to talk about. You are not allowed, which in, in the hypocrisy of it is, they will attack Ron DeSantis over going along with COVID lockdowns that Donald Trump recommended. Yeah. And it is, I, it the, is a serious sticking really point. Want, mm -hmm. All I would really would want from Trump is it would be great if he could simply say, 
Uh, yeah, regardless of what you think of the COVID vaccine, the way that it was used was absolutely disgraceful and dishonest. Like the way it was implemented, like people getting fired from their jobs for <coughs> taking it. The problem is requiring it of the military. He should and yep. there's a lot that he should at least admit was abused under his purview when COVID was going on. Yep. And the fact that he hasn't admitted any fault at the very minimum, just says like it's not my fault, like these other people did a really bad job. Like people abused COVID under my watch and I couldn't stop all of it. I would at least I would have a little more respect for that. The fact that he seems to treat it as though nothing bad that he that nothing bad happened under his direction during the whole COVID debacle is kind of irritating. Right. Yeah. No, it's 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 mm-hmm. it's it's a very big sticking point for me. It's a very big sticking point for me. It's actually a very big sticking point for a lot of people. I mean, I know somebody who was a massive Trump fan who is now very salt, like violently DeSantis and violently anti-Trump. And, you know, because I was very interested in this because I was like, dude, you used to be like hardcore. Like he made me blush. I was like, dude, like calm it down a bit, you know. Um, and so I asked him, what was the big thing? And he flat out said it was COVID. It was COVID. Oh, interesting. He lost yep. all faith in Donald Trump during COVID. And he was inferior. Like when it was happening, he obviously was on the bandwagon of it. He was actually very reasonable. He wouldn't, uh, this was a guy who he, he like runs his own page and things like that. And he wouldn't dive down the rabbit hole of every conspiracy when it came to COVID. He was really trying to communicate what was likely to be true, what was likely to be untrue. So he didn't go down too many like crazy rabbit holes at the time, but he definitely was like, I'm not going to go get vaccinated. I think it's bullshit that people are being pressured, all of that. Um, And so it wasn't during the pandemic. It was post-pandemic when basically Trump had showed zero contrition whatsoever for the decisions that were made. Yeah. And that was a, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest with everybody, I watched somebody who was the, think of the loyal Trump supporter you see now that you think is, you know, basically a bit cultish. He was that. That broke him. And that's a very big deal. That's a very, very, very big deal. And it would be very simple just to admit you made a mistake. And I don't know if Donald Trump's capable of doing so. I don't. Now, which brings us to our next subject, which is actually very interesting. And that is, so the Republican debate's happening on Wednesday. And apparently, literally everybody qualifies for it. Because I was trying to figure out who all is going to be um, going into this debate. And like when I saw that, like Asa Hutchinson is actually capable of being part of the Republican debate on Wednesday. I was like, oh, well, never mind. They'll just let anyone do it, I guess. Uh, because that person has let me, like, he's not pulling at all. It was a former Arkansas governor who's like, it, it, it's like somebody made a yeah. caricature of like, what would it look like if uh, the bulwark and the never Trumpers ran the gayest and lamest candidate possible? And then in walks Asa Hutch- Hutchinson and everyone's like, yeah, just like that. Um, so everybody basically qualifies for it. So anybody that you've heard that is running uh, will will be part of this debate, which kind of makes it a shit show in my opinion. But Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, at least according to all sources that we can find, will not attend the debate. He's not going to be attending the debate. He doesn't believe he needs to attend the debate. 
Um, and instead, at the same time, he will be doing an interview with Tucker Carlson. I find this interesting for a couple of reasons, and, and I have varying thoughts on it, so bear with me. Um, I'll start with the Tucker Carlson interview. First of all, number one, there's a lot of people that are praising this as being like, oh, it's such a, it's basically such a pro move and such a Trump move for him to not attend the debate. And then he's going to go meet with Tucker Carlson. Now, the debate's being hosted by Fox. So it is a really good middle finger, right? Like it's being hosted by Fox, who fired Tucker Carlson. And now Donald Trump's going to go give support to Tucker Carlson and take viewers away from Fox. Sure. I would say, yeah, it's a pro move, except for no one's going to fucking watch the debate anyway. Nobody would watch it anyway. The majority of people are going to wait till the next day to see all the good clips posted on social media because that's really how this stuff works. Like, yeah. very few people, very few people watch uh, twenty the 24-hour news shows. Very few people, there obviously it would be in the millions, but it would be barely anything. People want like people wait. Most people are going to wait until their favorite radio program. Most people are going to wait until next Sunday when Wrong Thing Radio covers the good parts of the debate. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. That's how sure. the majority of yeah. people get their news. So the idea of broadcast blocking being an actual strategy, it's like, cool, man. It's a strategy that works for the boomers because that's the only people that are going to watch this shit is the media yeah. and boomers. So it's a little silly and dumb to say it. I'm not against it. That's not a that's not an insult. It's just it's not as pro a move as everyone thinks because nobody gives a damn about the debates or the Tucker Carlson special. I have never once watched Tucker Carlson live, but I've seen tons of his clips. Yeah. So um mm-hmm. yeah. I, I can see that there'd be there's a couple things. One it is possible that Trump doesn't want to do a debate. Because well, sorry. No, let, let's let's go with real, pros and cons. Real, real quick, real go quick. On. Let me let us yeah. get onto that in one second. Um, because that's the next part of this. Um, I do want to give you a chance for that, but I uh, before we start talking about Trump's thinking, I want to know from the audience. Um, do you think that Tucker Carlson interviewing Trump? Do you think that he is going to? Do you think that he is going to hold Donald Trump's feet to the fire like he did every other candidate when he interviewed them in Ohio or in Idaho? Jesus, Iowa, when he interviewed them in Iowa? Or do you think that it's going to be a softball interview? Because that is going to be my gauge on how I feel about Tucker Carlson. Because I want Tucker Carlson to be just as hostile to Trump as he was everybody else. But I don't know if Tucker Carlson can be. He should be by who he is, by who he is. He should, ab- this should absolutely be a phenomenal interview and it could do very well for Donald Trump, depending on how he answers, but it should be at least in a, in a sense, somewhat hostile and somewhat holding, holding Donald Trump accountable on certain things. But I fear that Tucker Carlson won't do it because Trump world will lose its absolute shit. If it's basically not, and this is this is a little rude because this isn't the Trump campaign, although eh, actually, in fairness, it is. Um, 
if it's basically not a 45 minute interview of Tucker Carlson giving a blowjob to Donald Trump, Trump world's going to start trying to convince us that Tucker Carlson's a rhino, a rhino and a globalist and owned by George Soros. So, and, and, and so I'm concerned because I do want to see Tucker really, really hold his feet to the fire like everybody else. I think it'll be great. Um, yeah, I, I, we'll see. So anyway, um, you were net net. Now you can kind of go on the hurting Trump, helping Trump, uh, deal. Right. So, but I was, I've been curious, why would this decision get made? Mm -hmm. Well, like Trump not doing the debate, uh, and instead being, uh, going on Tucker Carlson. And I think that there are pros and cons of it that uh, it may, be, may explain who made this decision and why and sort of who benefits. So the pro, or let's go with the cons. The cons of Trump not being part of the debate is it might make him look kind of weak, like he's scared to debate these people, which I think there is some potential. It's like the cons yeah. of him doing the debate are what if Trump is embarrassed in the debate? What if someone yep. pulls some, what if he embarrasses himself? What if he pulls somebody pulls out a really good question that he's unable to answer? What yep. if he loses his temper? Like there are definitely like there is a worry. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not necessarily that drastic, but there's a worry that if or there's a risk if Donald Trump does this debate, there's a risk it doesn't go well and ruins his chance to be president. Yeah. So no, I, I, I can understand every, that there's a risk there that maybe someone was looking at. Every candidate has every right to say that Donald Trump is afraid to debate. Every other candidate has the right to say that he's afraid to debate uh, and that he's unwilling to do it and that he's being a coward for not doing it. It's incumbent yeah. on you, you can sit there and say, well, that fucking bullshit. These people are all second place and he's polling super well. That's all very true. I mean, it's a hundred percent true, but it's on you to prove that he's not being a pussy about not wanting to debate. I'm sorry. Like, I can agree with yeah. the decision, but, like, that when you made that decision, you had to accept that every other opponent you had is going to call you a coward. Yeah. And it's just what it is, right? Right. Right. And, uh, okay, so there's, there's that. Like, people get to call him a coward. He looks like he might be kind of weak. He looks like he might be scared to debate. Those are, those are negatives. If he does the debate, maybe he actually gets embarrassed. Maybe things go badly in the debate for him. That's also a reason why he wouldn't want to debate. Then there is, I think there's some positives to him not doing the debate that potentially someone all, someone might be looking at. And I don't know exactly which way this goes. If Donald Trump does the debate, the debate will be about Donald Trump. Yes. He will take up all the air in the room and there will be and all and all of the cameras will be on Trump the entire time. So if I was, say, another candidate like DeSantis or Ramaswamy, it might be better for you if Trump isn't in the room because you will act, people will actually care what you have to say more so than simply um, caring only about Trump. So you'll get to, it's like when people look at the debate afterwards and are watching all the best clips of it, it won't only be clips of Trump. So I can see from their perspective saying like, yeah, we don't want Trump here. This is where I get to make my case that boosts my popularity rather than simply it being, well, what do you, Ron DeSantis, think about Trump? Ron DeSantis, respond to Trump here. Trump responded to Ron DeSantis. I can see how they would, they would be, it would be good for their campaigns to not have this be just about Trump. They have plenty of time to talk about Trump later 
but they need they might be looking at this as an opportunity to gain support now and they'll deal with Trump later because Trump's for sure going to be a front runner in the election. And they right. could be looking it's like now is not the time to make it all about Trump. Now is the time to make it about me. Well, and this um, is this is what So there's that. Yeah, this is what's interesting is Donald Trump not doing the debate is the best thing that could have happened to every other candidate running. Exactly. And so I think the other candidates are not necessary. The other candidates are probably pleased that Trump wouldn't want to debate, wouldn't want to be part of the debate. Oh, yeah. Because no, it's like, good for their candidacy. Yeah. Like it, he would absolutely, like you said, he would suck the air out of the room and then the entire debate would be about him. Uh, the worst thing that these candidates could do is f- literally mention Donald Trump at all. Um, during this because like he should just be a non-factor. Now, what's going to be interesting about that, and and like I said, I think that it's the best thing for these other candidates that Donald Trump isn't showing up um, because it's it's going to give them a chance to speak. But what we're going to see is we are going to be exposed to some interesting meme warfare because what will happen is the place where a lot of people are going to get their information on what went on during the debate is going to be social media which means that Team Trump is going to take every single thing that is said during that Tucker Carlson interview and try to make that a big deal and try to run around with that to take away the capability of any of these other uh, candidates to really push their like great statement that they made about something. Now, where we could, what like I said, uh, uh, bringing Trump up is a bad idea unless you can really get a kill shot. And what I sure. think some of these campaigns are going to look for um, is a situation, and it's I think that COVID is going to be really be the uh, kind of the the push. Um, yeah, is where the big hope. I think the big hope here, and it's primarily going to sit kind of in the Ron DeSantis campaign, just given the fact that he has a record to run on. Is yeah. they, you know, the perfect opportunity for somebody like a team DeSantis would be that they start talking about this new variant like we just did right this new variant and the potential of lockdowns and all this other all this other nonsense and then somehow the desantis campaign gets to be able to play donald trump on tucker carlson talking about how great the vaccine is and how wonderful it was and how people really love it and then ron desantis talking about how As the president of the United States, he would never lock the country down. He would never force people to take medicine just to work and like all this other. And then they're able to play those things back and forth and say, who do you want to support right now? The guy who's the guy who would go who wants to go along with uh, Joe Biden's proposed vaccine mandates or the guy who fought against them and even fought against his own party, you know, like. That's the opportunity that they would be looking for. But in addition to that, I think it's interesting to evaluate who do we think, because I have I have some thoughts on it, on who do we think is going to actually shine during this debate? Because the Trump interview, okay, it's going to happen. We'll just see how it goes. Um, by the way, yeah. in reference to that, uh, part of the thing that's very disappointing, um, I'm actually legitimately upset about when is I was preparing this entire show to be discussing the press conference that was supposed to happen on Monday because Trump was supposed to come out and show definitive proof of election fraud in Georgia. And then he canceled his press conference. Now his claim of it is that his lawyers basically were like, 
sir, don't. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe don't yeah. do this during the indictment, which is smart, I suppose. But I get to be mad about maybe. it. Maybe. I get to be mad I, about it. A hundred percent. I feel. I feel I lied think, to. I'm sorry, yeah. but I feel lied to. Yeah. I feel like you should have consulted your lawyers before you announced the press conference. Yeah, you I feel were, like you're then, or, kind or, of an or, idiot. And then just be like, listen, lawyers, make it. Make it. Make make it work. How do we make this work? How do I say this without criminating ourselves? Or just go for it and just be like, here's undeniable proof of election fraud. When they try to indict me over this stuff, know that it's I want every one of you to know that it's absolutely nonsense and completely politically motivated. Yeah. That would help his case. But I'm allowed to I'm allowed to be mad that the that the president of the United States comes out and says I'm going to do this press conference that's going to show undeniable proof and then goes JK my lawyers are actually going to use it in defense of my case and it's going to be like okay either you didn't have it or you're an idiot because you didn't bring this up to your lawyers to begin yeah. with but <clears throat> I'm allowed to be upset. Now going into uh talking about the debates themselves one thing that I think is is notable is like who 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 do we think is going to shine? The reality of the debate on Wednesday is there is one person in reality that this debate matters to the most, and that is Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis, his entire campaign relies on this debate going well. If anybody overshadows him, it's basically over for Ron DeSantis. He's not doing great. His campaign's not doing great. Now, it is still pretty early. This is, just so everyone's aware, this primary debate is basically the official beginning of the actual primary season. Everything else has been kind of fundraising and donor getting and all of that. This is really where it starts, is these debates, because you're going to see several people drop out. Um following yeah. following this debate there are people that just it's no longer going to be viable and you're going to see them end their races for Ron DeSantis it is make or break time if he cannot shine um then he's screwed and at the same time Ron DeSantis is the guy who has the target on his back uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to go after Ron DeSantis 100% uh, in addition to that, you're going to see people like Chris Christie and Nikki Haley um, and Tim Scott want to go after Ron DeSantis and take him out 100% because he, like, let's just be honest, he's the number two. Um, what's going to be interesting is to see how Trump world reacts. Are they going to sell? The, the hatred for Ron DeSantis is very unique when it comes to the whole Trump world thing. And so it's going to be amazing i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you it's gonna be so fucking annoying watching conservatives supposed conservatives and supposed america first people celebrating nikki haley because she got a good shot on ron DeSantis. that's gonna be the gayest thing for me to have to deal with i'm gonna roll my eyes so hard that i will detach my cornea because sure nikki haley fucking blows she's awful she was also picked by the president by president trump to represent us at the UN, but she's a garbage neocon and I'm going to see them celebrate her if she gets a good shot on Ron DeSantis and that's going to be so gay. But at the same time, I think the big competition that Ron DeSantis is going to have for shining in this campaign is going to be Vivek Ramaswamy 
But also, I think the dark horse in it is Tim Scott. So Vivek Ramaswamy has been very good at making some really good and clean statements. I mean, the guy looks good, he sounds smooth, and he he knows how to talk about policy that is extremely appealing. This guy has found the way. He is doing, I hate to say it, he's doing exactly what Ron DeSantis should have done. He has found the way to thread that needle to where Trump people like him, but for whatever reason, they don't see him as a threat against Trump. Which is weird because he's directly competing against Donald Trump. Right. I think a lot of Trump people are so focused on DeSantis as the yeah. threat to Trump that I can see they would be um, disarmed by Ramaswamy. Yeah. Ramaswamy has, has made some great statements. He's made some really good um, really good policy proposals. The only problem is, is that there's also a lot of him flip-flopping. He is saying things that are opposite of things that he had said previously. Now, to be fair, can somebody change? Yeah, hundred percent. If you're a, if you were kind of an idiot, uh, like January sixth is a really good example. Like everybody but Trump said, oh, it was awful and terrible and and awful what happened. Until they were like, oh, never mind, it was actually bullshit, and these were grandmas wandering around the Capitol. The only person who's still yeah. like. The only person who actually sells January 6th as being something terrible is Mike Pence, and that's because he's a pussy. Um, but they all did at one point. So I don't, I'm not going to hold, I'm, I'm not going to be too angry at Ramaswamy for that. But this is really a good place for Ramaswamy to shine because he does say things that are great. He does connect with the youth. Uh, a lot better than many of these other politicians. One concern I have is that he absolutely wrapped Eminem in Iowa, and I think that that was cringy as hell, but politicians do dumb things all the time. Um, I do, I, I, I think that it's really going to be his time to shine on it. Um, mm-hmm. And if Vivek has a good showing, if Vivek has a good showing in Milwaukee on Wednesday, I think that Ron DeSantis is going to end up having to end his campaign. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Certainly see. I think that a lot, because Donald Trump is not going to be in the debates, I Mm -hmm. think that the people that are in the debates and maybe the RNC as a whole, because the debates now are not going to be dominated by Trump, everyone can use the response to the debates as a way of essentially testing policy. Mm -hmm. It's like, we all, like, uh, they, they have polling, they have other things, but after the debates, looking to see what messages, what takes, what positions, what becomes the most popular clips shared on social media, what gets the best response, it's actually a very good way to design your campaign for the future. You're, I think you're going to have all these people go up. You'll basically be field testing all these different lines and policies and proposals and takes on an issue. And you'll be able to kind of see how the electorate electorate responds to those things and then go on from there. So I can, I feel like I'll be surprised if either Ramaswamy or DeSantis are totally knocked out by this debate. If anything, I think you could see them testing, using the debate to test their rhetoric and then going from there and then changing depending on uh, the response they get. 
You think that they're more likely to really hold it out until uh, the actual primary votes? I could, I could see. I mean, it, it, it maybe depends. If there is a, if it's really terrible, maybe, maybe not. But I definitely could see them. I feel like at least, especially DeSantis has enough momentum. I'd be very surprised if he didn't hold out until then. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that that's. That makes I'll, some sense. I think it yeah. would. I think for both for for DeSantis and potentially Ramaswamy, I could. I think that it would take something catastrophic to knock them out of the race this early. Like, I don't know. They get in a fist fight on stage. Or something. <laughs> Somebody shits their pants. Right. No. I, yeah. I, exactly. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. We'll no. I get it. Um. I guess, so do you think anyone is going to drop out after this debate? Like, do you think, like, Mike Pence, for example? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> right. Like, you have Mike Pence, Aza, Aza Hutchinson. There's a couple of people, like, Heard, I think, is one of the dudes. I've, I've like, Ooh. he was, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got is I think his name is this. <laughs> um, and there's another yeah. Perry Johnson or somebody like that. Like, yeah, there's, there's actually a lot of people running and who gives a shit? Um, like none of them matter. Um, so in, yeah. in reality, like even like Nikki Haley, uh, what will be interesting though, honestly, going into this debate is going to be Chris Christie. And the reason why is, you know, of course, like Trump has made his uh, feelings known about Chris Christie, calling him a fat slob and all of that and being, you know, obviously, you know, against him. But it'll be interesting to see how Chris Christie debates, because I want to remind everybody that uh, Chris Christie was the guy that Trump hired to prep him for the 2020 debates. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Chris Christie was the guy who helped him prep for the 2020 debates. And I don't know about you, Alan, but I think I'm pretty sure we talked about it. I wasn't impressed with Trump's performance. I was not really either. Yeah. It was just like, dude, you you could have fought way harder. Like, what the hell are you doing? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and of course, the excuse that everyone's going to use is that Chris Christie set him up for failure specifically because he wanted him to lose. Mm, That's probably true. By the way, Chris Christie's acting right now. That's probably highly likely. I don't know why Trump couldn't figure that out, but here we are. So it'll be interesting because the, the idea there is that Chris Christie should be really freaking good at this debate. I don't think he will be. I think that this real debate is going to be between Vivek and DeSantis. I think everybody else is just there for fodder and fun. But yeah. we'll see. You know, I, mm-hmm. We'll see. Now, yeah, I, I think it'll be very interesting... Because there's been a lot of discussion on the primaries and who's going to run, and is you know, and a lot of that has been happening, but we haven't had any actual kind of landmark yet to establish people's positions and policies and an actual support base. And so I think that these debates will be good for that, and I think it's good that Trump is not in them because we'll actually get a good, a much better pulse on how much support does DeSantis actually have, mm-hmm. how good is Vivek Ramaswamy on stage who has the best ideas and so I think that that's, that's a very positive thing coming from this debate yeah. uh, and then maybe the Tucker Carlson interview I'll be curious to see how that goes I, I would like Tucker to hold Trump's feet to the fire and ask him really tough questions that 
he has to answer. But I am nervous. But I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker treated him with kid gloves to make sure that he doesn't say anything embarrassing. Well, and that's what sucks is this is much a make or break point for Tucker Carlson. And I can, you know, because he's launching his new network, right? This is his new big thing is Mm -hmm. it's going to be like Tucker on Twitter or whatever. Um, The problem is, and I can understand it, is if you attack Trump too much, basically, (laughs) this is the problem is if Tucker Carlson asks a question that embarrasses Trump, Trump world will make that Tucker Carlson's fault, not Trump's fault. And that's the issue. Right. Is Trump. Trump could literally say one of the dumbest things on the planet and then people could use that and turn it around and be like, oh my God, I can't believe Donald Trump just called Dr. Anthony Fauci a hero. Like, are you shitting me? You know, something like that. Uh, And then everyone will be like, well, it's because Tucker is a piece of shit. And it'll be like, but Trump said the thing. They'll be like, no, Tucker's a piece of shit. And that's the issue is... Yeah. You know, that's a lot of pressure. But if he wants to be the guy that we all believe him to be, he's going to have to ask hard questions or he's actually going to lose a lot more respect in the long term, I think. Point is, is like I can see that. Certainly see that. Yeah. I don't want somebody like I'm not I'm not cheering for Donald Trump just to get attacked like we have the left wing media for that. I want Tucker Carlson to ask questions. I want Tucker Carlson to punch Trump from the right because I want Tucker Carlson to punch everyone from the right. Right, and I would say I, mostly I want with a friendly debate of a someone who's for sure a friend of Donald Trump. Yeah, like Tucker Carlson. I want from a friendly perspective. I want him to push Trump to make sure that Trump has good rhetoric and ideas going into an actual serious presidential campaign. Right. Like I want it to be a stress test of Donald Trump, so that he can actually mount the best campaign he can. Right. Well, and and at the at the same time, um, yeah, I just I I I I want I, I just want to see it be very. Um, I just wanted to see it be good. I, I I want to see Tucker just do do a good job. It could do very well for Trump. Uh, it could make him look really good by asking some things. But like a, a good example that I would have is I would like to see someone anyone um, honestly ask Donald Trump to uh, explain how he's going to deal with things like transgender issues when a very big part of his celebration um, a very big a very big part of his campaign in the past was celebrating things like Lady Maga and uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner yeah. That's a good question. That's something I want to hear. You know, like you said. Very much so. I'd be very curious what he has to say about that. Yeah, like you you, you were a big fan of Caitlyn Jenner running, at, running for governor, but a lot of your base is very concerned about transgenderism. How do you basically square that circle? That's a great question, right. but it's a question that could very much embarrass Donald Trump depending on his answer. But Right. That's an answer we should know. We really should. Is is he actually going to fight against wokeness the way that we want? You know, because I want to remind everybody that uh, at, at the same time, um, Kim Kardashian 
basically influenced Donald Trump on a uh, on um, prison reform. Ugh, vomit. Yeah, right, right. Like that's cringy as hell. You know. Yeah. So yeah, this is stupid. The whole First Step Act was from Kim Kardashian, for God's sakes. So yes, it, it, that's the kind of stuff. It's just pathetic. Yeah, it's it's pathetic and gay. And it was, to be fair, it doesn't entirely really matter that much. And it was probably just to go get the black vote or something. But it's still stupid. It's not what I want. You know, like, don't tell me you're draining the swamp and then do swampy shit. Uh, exactly. I think that's that's really what we're coming right. down to. It's just it don't. I want to feel certain that Donald Trump is going to drain the swamp effectively and correctly. I don't want to be nervous that he's actually just kind of incompetent at being a president. Right. Now, one thing I do want to want to want to clarify. Speaking of all of this, is there there was a news story that was very pervasive, and I want to read the actual quote, and I want to get your uh, actual feeling on it, uh, Alan. Mm-hmm. And I haven't prepped this for you, so hooray. Um, this is coming from this is from the Guardian, but it's it's about a quote that has caused a lot of ire um, on social media, and so. Uh, his presidential campaign, widely seen to be li- uh, to be listing badly, Ron DeSantis fired a bro- broadside at supporters of Donald Trump on Saturday, calling them, quote, listless vessels. Quote, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual, DeSantis told the Florida Standard. The movement has got to be about what you about. What are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle. Because if you're not rooted in principle, if all we are is listless vessels, that's just supposed that's just supposed to follow whatever ha- happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning. That's not going to be a durable moment. That seems reasonable. Well, that's the quote... <laughs> What I, what I think is amazing, so I'm going to read, the, read it again. Like, If you're not rooted in principle, if all we are is listless vessels that's just supposed to follow whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, that's not going to be a durable moment. That was the actual quote. Is it a moment or movement? Oh, sorry, durable movement. My bad. That's okay. That's not going to be a durable movement. That's the quote. What actually happened is a bunch of Trump supporters went, I'm the listless vessel. (laughs) He didn't call anybody a listless vessel. Also, he's a former Navy guy, so I can, that's an interesting choice of words. Well, that is true too. But it's just, it, it is one of those funny situations where it's like, he didn't call you that, but you took it yeah. as that. Yeah. That's a little weird. I mean, to be fair, right. that is evidentiary, right? He just said, like, yeah. yeah, if if like if we don't have like a set of principles and everything's just going to be whatever the one he's just saying, if it's going to be one person and a cult of personality, not cult, you know, but you know what I mean. It does yeah. kind of become a problem. Um, yeah, and, I can totally see that. That makes sense. But it is absolutely hilarious. That he says that, and then everyone's like, he's talking about me. And it's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't admit to that, dude. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's really kind of a nothing burger of a quote, but it was one of those things that, you know, obviously we're, we're seeing what's going to be happening with the debate and everything like that. And it's, it's another one of those data points that I use when I look at um, not Trump himself, but like the supporters and stuff on social media that really kind of leads me to believe that they are very nervous about people like Ron DeSantis, because why would you care what somebody said? Like if Chris Christie said this, nobody gives, nobody gives a shit. Chris Christie insults Trump and his supporters all the time. Nobody cares because Chris Christie's a non-entity, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know the, the group of people that are really good at the memory and insulting people. It's a very hilarious reaction to see them get so upset at being insulted. I do. I do find that funny. Yeah, I agree. Like you, I think that there's a lot of people out looking. I, I would believe it a lot more if I knew that there weren't a bunch of pro-Trump people looking for any way to attack DeSantis and criticize what he has to say. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I think the, the outrage over it now, granted, a lot of it's pushed by... Unfortunately, that is one thing that I, that I do need to say that we've only got five minutes left in the program is for the longest time, people have heard me kind of bring up people like Laura Loomer and how I've uh, kind mm-hmm. of been in that position of like, look, guys, I don't think she's great for like the Trump campaign. Um, and she sort of needs to like it would be good for Trump to distance himself because she's a little crazy. And she has openly stated that she wants to burn the entire Republican Party to the ground. And basically, like, she doesn't care. She doesn't care if the Republican Party fails and if Joe Biden wins. She wants she's very much an accelerationist in the idea that the Republican Party should burn to the ground. And then, I don't know, Donald Trump becomes ascendant as king or something. I don't I don't, I don't exactly know what her plan is after. Um, right she's the one that's pushing a lot of, uh, she's the one that's all upset about the whole listless vessel thing. But the other problem too, is that she interviewed Donald Trump recently and hung out at Mar-a-Lago and is absolutely, she is absolutely selling the idea that Donald Trump is a massive supporter of what she's doing on social media, which I'm going to be honest with everybody. That means that all the crazy bullshit that she says is relatively sanctioned by Donald Trump. And that is, uh, that's a very big issue for me. Because she's insane. Like, people might like her. And she was a good investigative journalist. The problem that I have with her now is she's super bitter because she lost her congressional race in Florida and basically wants to burn the entire Republican Party down. Not because she disagrees with their policies, but she feels like they didn't support her when she ran for Congress. Hmm. And I don't... I, I, I don't get behind people who use a veneer of cleaning the party up for their personal vengeances. You're mad and you like, you're mad and you're embarrassed that you lost your bid for Congress. You're pretending like the reason you're doing this is to save the Republic. But in reality, it's just vengeance because you're butthurt. And we all can see that. Sure. Anyway, um, there was one last thing that I wanted to hit and I just remembered it, Alan. And so I'm trying to remember it again. What the hell was it? Was it the Max Miller versus the Christian lady? Yes. Yeah. That was, well, that is certainly a good one. It wasn't that one, but let's do that one uh, because was it is Was it good. Hunter Biden, um, basically his tax 
it's it is it is all the Atlanta stuff. Yeah, because we weren't able to like that that happened this week, right? So the yeah. uh, so real quick, I'm actually going to hit all of them uh, real quick, but I do want to take some time on the uh, the Christian ladies lady story because it's important. We did have all of the indictments come out. Obviously, they were released early. And then they had all of the jurors' names unredacted. I don't think that that was an accident. I think they did that specifically because they want these jurors to be, quote, targeted by angry uh, Trump supporters so they can use that as a uh, as an excuse to pull a bu- to basically cripple the defense of Donald Trump. And the other aspect oh, of that is going to be how is Donald Trump going to be crippled and being able to because right now he's being charged with a conspiracy to overthrow the election because he questioned it so the obvious defense of that is going to be proving that he was not wrong but how is the judge going to block him basically if the judge blocks him from being able to show evidence of what he considers fraud in the georgia election that is the judge blocking his ability to defend himself there's zero way that there is absolutely no way that that judge wants Donald Trump to be able to present any evidence of potential election fraud. But at the same time, if you block it, you're blocking his ability to defend himself. Right. It's also absolutely notable that uh, Fannie Willis, the prosecutor, the DA that put forward these charges... Right before she dropped the charges, she opened up a fundraising website for her political career. Hmm. Of course. Like, that should... I feel like that should immediately result in a recusal. Like, you don't get to say that this wasn't political when you literally opened a fundraising website hours before dropping the indictments. Like, you're literally trying to fundraise off of indicting somebody. That's insane. Yeah. That is nuts. Also notable that there was the appointment of, uh, uh, oh man, whatever his name is, David Weiss. David Weiss got appointed as a special counsel, finally, even though the DOJ refused to appoint him as special counsel before. He's now been appointed as special counsel in the Hunter Biden case, which caused... And there is a legal purpose for this. It caused the judge that was part of that sweetheart plea deal. That judge actually had to drop the charges against Hunter Biden. All of the things that he was trying to get a sweetheart plea deal for, those charges had to be dropped because the special counsel has to be able to investigate that case, which means it can't be sitting there in in open court. Right. So... As much as it seems really stu- like this was a legal maneuver to get the charges dropped against Hunter Biden. And I promise you that David Weiss is just going to drag his feet and we're never going to see anything good. We're never actually going to see anything fruitful come out of this whatsoever. Nothing fruitful is going to come out of it. And they're just going to take as long as possible until the public's just bored with it and then probably come back and drop all charges. This is a way probably, yeah. for the Department of Justice to answer that is that this is a way for the department of justice to answer with, I cannot comment on an ongoing investigation on things involving Joe Biden committing treason against the United States and selling us out to every foreign country that would give him money. Yeah. 
Probably. Like, yeah, that's that's exactly why they did this. It wasn't for any other good reason. And it also came out this week, by the way, that Joe Biden was using pseudonyms in his email. Yeah, which should be, you know, you don't do that because of the it makes it impossible to do FOIA requests. Yep. Yep, it blocks Freedom of Information Act requests because you would request things on Joe Biden with, you know, addresses like joe.biden at whitehouse.gov or whatever it might be, right? Um, well, you query all of those emails, you would never see these other ones because he's using a fake name. And if you don't know the pseudonym, you can't FOIA request the communication. Yeah. So, of course he did that. But so did Barack Obama and so did Hillary Clinton. Great. Now, real quick, and this will be the last thing. We're going to go a couple minutes over, but so bear with us, everyone. But this is an exclusive. This is coming out of Republic Sentinel. If you guys followed us, if you follow us on our Discord, and if you follow us on Twitter, you would have seen us talk about this in real time when the tweet first happened. Um, and then obviously this story came after. But here's the uh, here's the headline. It's exclusive. Ohio right to life fires Christian after Republican lawmaker blasts her for sharing the gospel. Ohio Right to Life dismissed communications director Elizabeth Marbach after a Republican congressman whose wife sits on the entity's board publicly rebuked her for sharing the gospel on social media. Marbach said in, an, in exclusive comments to the Sentinel that she absolutely does not regret making the post because now millions have read the gospel message. Marbach, a former Trump campaign and Ohio Republican Party staff member, tweeted on Tuesday that, quote, there is no hope for any of us outside of having faith in Jesus Christ alone. Representative Max Miller, a Republican from Ohio, whose wife, Emily Moreno Miller, serves as a board member of Ohio Right to Life, then called on Marbach to delete the tweet. Quote, this is one of the most bigoted tweets I have ever seen, Miller said on social media. Delete it, Lizzie. Religious freedom in the United States applies to every religion. You have gone too far. Miller, who is Jewish, said in another post that, quote, God says that Jewish people are the chosen ones, but yet you say we have no hope, and thanked Marbach for her, quote, pearl of wisdom today. Ohio State, Re State Representative Casey Weinstein, Weinstein, a Democrat who also identifies as Jewish, backed Miller in a now-removed post, post, which likewise called on Marbach to delete her comments. Marbach refused to delete the post from social media, noting in a response to Miller that Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, without whom, uh, without whom one cannot come to the Father. No one has hope outside of Jesus Christ, and every knee will bow one day, she added. Christian theology has historically confessed that only those <laughs> who place their hope in, the, in salvation in Jesus Christ can be redeemed from their sins, but also affirms that all people, regardless of their self-described religious identity, are image bearers of God with intent, with inherent worth and value. Miller lady later publicly apologized for his rebuke. Marbach accepted the apology and repeated that it is not me from whom you need forgiveness, but God himself. Awesome. Sorry. That's pretty funny. Adding that she would genuinely pray, you seek him and find salvation. Emily Miller, meanwhile, acknowledged that her husband was wrong to ask someone to stand down from her religious views while asserting that the couple had been asked to back down from our Jewish faith. 
Um, internal communications at Ohio Right to Life reviewed by the Sentinel showed that Marbach was offered the opportunity to resign from the entity or receive a transition period before official dismissal, both of which she declined. The dismissal came days after Marbach and another senior Ohio Right to Life employee disagreed about a separate post from Marbach in which she called a pro-abortion activist a murderous liar in reference to a proposed state constitutional amendment that would expand the legality of abortion in Ohio. The employee was concerned about the tone of the post. The Rooster, a progressive political newsle newsletter in Ohio, meanwhile hinted in a Tuesday article about the exchanges between Miller and Marbach that her career was in jeopardy earlier today, in allusion to the internal disagreement over whether over the earlier murderous liar post. The senior Ohio Right to Life official confirmed in a text message to Marbach that someone shared confidential information I shared with the board discussing our agency with the with the leftist outlet. Marbach said in additional comments that the Sentinel in the to the Sentinel, I'm sorry, that she trusts God will continue to use this situation to bring glory and honor to his name. She expressed hope that Ohio Right to Life would defend the lives of preborn babies in the state without political entanglements. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a little suspicious that this Jewish guy gets super butt blasted, which by the way, he he had the option to not say anything. I want everyone to remember that. Right. This guy had the option said, to just not say anything. Yeah. And of course, you know that if she had simply if she had said something along the lines of blessed be the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he this Jewish man would probably have found nothing objectionable about that. Right. Well, and if the Jewish guy basically said that, you know, you know, we are the sons of Abraham and blah, blah, like he, he could basically call, he, he could call Christians heretics. We would all get very upset over that. Um, he would call Christianity a lie. Uh, we would be very upset about that, but nothing like he wouldn't be threatened. His wife wouldn't be threatened. Like they wouldn't lose their jobs. None of this would happen. Right. Right. It's simply anyone it's, all of these powers that be will converge on Christians who say things that are absolutely just core normal tenets of the Christian faith, like mm -hmm. Jesus is the way and the light, and there's basically no hope beyond and outside of Jesus. And that is, of course, cause for them to go, how can we attack and destroy this person for having the audacity to utter a core normal tenet of their faith? Yeah. It is perfectly socially acceptable to attack Christianity in the United States. It's the only religion that it is perfectly acceptable to attack. So both socially, politically, what have you. It is perfectly acceptable. And I'm not insane for pointing that out. And it doesn't make somebody a, quote, Christo-fascist, because that's a new favorite jack-off term from the left, um, mm -hmm. to point out that that exists and is, in fact, true. But at the same time, the excuse being used by Ohio Right to Life is absolutely fascinating because the Ohio Right to Life is going, oh, it's not because he got it's not because she got into an argument with the husband of one of the people who sits on our board. Um, it's because she called a, an abortion activist a murderer. And it's like, well, they fucking are. Right. <laughs> But they are murderers, right? Right. <laughs> Aren't they Ohio right to life? 
Isn't abortion murder Ohio right to life? Do we not agree on that? Because that seems pretty, pretty weird that you wouldn't. So not a good yeah. look, man. Agreed. Agreed. It's amazing that Ohio right to life caved to this nonsense. But I, you just wonder, like, how did they, how did they square the circle? Well, and, and this is this is inherent, and unfortunately this is going to have to kind of be the, the final thought on the show here, is this is inherent of one of the bigger problems that we actually have um, when it comes to politics, you know, in the country right now, is this makes it patently obvious that, you know, organizations like Ohio Right to Life, and there's lots of other organizations in similar situations of this, they're not, at, these people don't join these organizations to actually further the message. It's a social club that people use to start to climb the ladder and gain gain more prominence and, and noticeability and whatever. It is a social club. It is not actually about saving the lives of preborn babies. It's a stepping stone for this guy to run as senator or something in Ohio later. I promise you that. And that's exactly why this was allowed to happen. But that's going to have to be it for this week. Of course, we'll be back next week at noon. So be sure to share this out. Be sure to subscribe at wrongthing, or subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio and join our Discord. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.